Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights here with Rich Klein. I don't even know if I'd call them iconic sets, but they're two, two sets. <laughs> Back when Tops was the only game in town, 76 and 77 Tops were the sets. It wasn't that they were good or bad. They were just the sets. And uh, I collected them, Rich collected them, and they're interesting in their own right, but uh, not anything everybody's going to do backflips on. But thanks sponsors, thanks Tops especially for putting out and uh, carrying the ball for so many years, but also Panini and Upper Deck. Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So, Rich, the 76 and 77 tops, I think everything's in your wheelhouse. But for me, I was a very serious collector in those days, very active. But there were set builders in those days, and you just pick up the set. So I didn't collect it card by card. It, It wasn't worth it to have a want list. You just bought the set. For both of those, rookie cards weren't a thing back then. Not that there were such great rookie cards in 76 anyway. So what's your recollection of either putting it together or buying packs or one set being preferred over another? What's your take on it? To me, 77 was the last of the five year of the 660 card sets from 73 to 77. That was the year Topps got it totally. They got boosted by having what ended up being a very nice rookie class. It started with Mark Fidrich. Right. But now you've got Hall of Famers like Bruce Souter in there, and you've got Andre Dawson Hall of Famer, and you have a should-be Hall of Famer and Dale Murphy in there. You've got rookies in there, much better than the 76 rookies. Your only 76 rookie is a Hall of Famer of any note, and that's Dennis Eckersley. Dennis Eckersley yeah. But the other thing is I think the printing had even improved by 77. 76 is somewhat infamous in the hobby because certain dealers, I've heard the legends, got then cases where the cards were all, we're going to use the word snowed upon. Tops had some serious quality control issues with some of the product in 76. Well, and every once in a while, you see those cards. The centering. But both those years have centering problems, don't they? I'm talking more about the actual snow on the cards. There's actual like snow on the 76 Tops cards. 77 at least only had centering issues. So if you have a choice and somebody says, hey, I've got a 76 set here and I've got a 77 set, uh, they're the same price. You're going to take the 77 every time. I'll take the 77 every time. However, there are fun things in the 76 set. That's not to slag on the 76 set. 76 set has some nice things like since it was the 100th year of the National League, they have cards 341 to cards 350 of the black and white cards of the all-time greats. Where else are you going to get an inexpensive Babe Ruth card or Lou Gehrig card? They're in 73 too, but these are even easier to get. And unlike them, which were all-time leaders, this is an actual card of them. Plus, it's the last card of Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron has two cards in 76. He doesn't have any in 77. And I still remember thinking, to me, I was always like, I like career capper. Why was there no 77 Hank Aaron? The people would have loved that card. He didn't play in 77. Right, but he played in 76 and you can do a fair, you can do a career capper card. You sure? Tops, for whatever reason, did not do career capper cards. And this is, I know that he was, well, no, as you said, he's no longer playing, but you might have been able to sneak those in. To me, it's the yeah, same yeah. problem as 64 Tops Dan Musial. Put him as card number 50. Get him into the set. Honor him. Say he retired and you've got one more year of a great player. Well, you're talking about, like we said, there was a Players Association in those days, but it wasn't as active and as vociferous as it became. But it would seem like that'd be an easy fix to just let him in there, but maybe they didn't. Maybe they just, he's not eligible because he's not on an active roster. Well, I think what, what I've read, reading between the lines of people who worked for Tops in their interviews over the years was that they were no longer active and they didn't think the kids wanted those cards. 
Yeah. Who's making those kind of decisions that kids don't want Hank Aaron? Hank, and I was a big kid. You were a big kid in those days that they'd want him in 76 when he's this all-time home run champ. And, and he's very recently retired in 77 and they don't want a card of him. I, I think that's a bad decision, but that logic it, to absurdum is put a bunch of prospects in there. But that's one of the reasons people uh, like Panini in their baseball offerings is they sprinkle in some veterans and retired and Hall of Famers in with the prospects and younger players. Tops in their flagship now does that with like SP legend variations. And they're not impossible to get. A lot of times you can get the great players fairly cheaply. But you're right. Another advantage of 76 is it was the last of the three 1970s Tops traded sets. Oh, right, right. You know, and, and that's something 77 doesn't have. The closest thing 77 has, and we've you're done an episode. three because you're counting 72? I'm counting 72. Okay. I know that's part of the regular set, but I'm counting 72. Because those cards say traded on at 751. They, they, they were the model for the successors. Okay. But what are the serious variations in 76 and 77? I'm not. There, there really aren't any variations. And I, I don't even think there are any variations that we notate in the. So a master set it. is 660 maybe. Yeah. Did you piece it together? I would just buy them in those days because we had a card store, sports store. You buy the set or you bought packs? I bought the set for $10, $15. It was just a lot easier. The store was 10 minutes from the house. Just buy the set. In those days, it was better than trying to chase down. I'd stop buying packs by about 74. So if you're sitting there and somebody has a certified unopened pack of 74 a pack of 75, a pack of 76, and a pack of 77. And there are four guys come up and one guy gets first choice. He's probably going to take 75. Which which pack is the last one taken? I, I have an idea. I think the last one taken is 76. I agree. Because what's the best thing you could get? Again, say with the snow, or I just don't know that there's 77. You've got a shot at a few rookie cards that that I think have some condition sensitivity and and 74 even is still a, a better unit. So 76. I got a pack fresh cards. And in 74, wouldn't it be amazing if you found a pack with a Washington National Leaguer in there? Not that those are super expensive cards, but those cards can't be nearly as prevalent as even the San Diego cards from that era. Well, in the, when you get cards graded, if it's cards from the 70s, when quality control wasn't that great, that's why the set registry stuff really takes off because – it's hard to find high-grade cards for some of those years when Tops was the only game in town. I'm digressing for a second. Did you see the lines for PSA and Beckett, even with their extended pricing at the National? I was shocked. Yeah. I was shocked. And I thought, are they paying people to stand in line? <laughs> because who's standing in line for the – none of the options were cheap, Rich. <laughs> I think the only reasonable – Option was maybe an authentication of an autograph. Maybe it. That, I don't think those were talking about done. advertising. That the best ad for hey, this hobby is hot, and these companies are in a preferred position for grading. It really emphasized, and I've admitted PSA is the volume leader, but the BGS is doing is doing great. BGS was doing just fine. Thank you very much. I, I think they actually enjoyed this year a little bit more. Because they weren't under the crunch when they're having to do as many cards as they had in previous years. So I think it was a little easier for the graders. They didn't have to farm some graders off to a separate room either. All the graders could be in the same room. It was seemed to be organized. When I went back there, it was organized pretty efficiently. 
more so. Well, they're, they're always pretty efficient. They have they the had, national down pat. They had a little more room. They had a little more room. And maybe, well, I, I don't know that they did more cards because they raised the price so much, just like PSA. I don't think they did more cards, but they did volume in dollars to make up for, and hopefully that makes for happy customers. But frankly, I'm thinking, how many 76 and 77 tops PSA get or BGS get at the national? Not very many. Zero, but it's got to be a small number because people aren't going to pay an upcharge. There's nothing worth paying, I don't think, a premium price there. I think the 76 George Brett is known for usually being horribly off-centered. If you get a perfectly centered 76 tops George Brett, you might want to do that card. Obviously, if you have a pack fresh perfect, some of the 77 rookies that you think are going to get, we'll say a BVG, BVG, it would be BVG 9.5 or PSA 10, you might want to give that a shot. You've got to pre-grade those, and, and the centering is crucial for those high grades. You could still have sharp corners and great edges and surface, but I look at the cards I have, and they're no longer mint, obviously. The centering is disappointing. I don't see a ton of, and granted, it's 50 cents a card now to send them a card to Comp C, but I see fewer 76s and 77s now than I did a few years ago when it was a quarter a card to send them a card to Comp C. Because it's the same principle as you'd say. Why spend 50 cents for a card on a good day? You might be lucky to get $5 for it. Not even, well, for what? For a semi-star? Or yeah. A, a team card? I, I just, I don't know how that works. And in the conceptualization of Com C, if they really have a goal to have all the cards so that they're a one-stop shop, I don't know that is their goal. But at 50 cents, it's pretty difficult. You've really got to be careful about what you send in because if it's a little off condition, you may not be able to get 50 cents out of it, even get your money back. That's one of the things about 76, 77. They're not really a set builder's dream, but they're not a set builder's nightmare either. They're also of the era where you might start seeing dealers carrying those cards with them to shows if they do vintage commons, because they're now of an, they're 45 years old. It's not impossible to carry. You can say these cards are now vintage enough I'll get at least a quarter a piece. It's worth the table space to spend the money. So it wouldn't necessarily be for set builders. It'd be for team set people that are chasing local people. They're the guy in Chicago that wants a million Cubs. Does he already have all the 76s and 77s? Probably. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure Bo does. And Bo was another visitor for the singles club booth, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, did you hear about people getting COVID at the uh, National? So far, I've only heard one case. A guy from Kentucky was one of Steph's friends. Okay, more than one. The, the, the problem is when you read the literature, it's how you do contact tracing. You have to contact all the people that were at the national that were in the proximity of that person to get tested or to be careful and not and to self-quarantine. So it's and do you know, and, and I'm gonna ask this seriously, do you know if they really got it at the show? Yeah, they could have gotten on the plane or at the airport, or there were events like you and well, I went to some dinners where there were t- eight, ten. Ten was my max. I, I realized that at the show, I was a little more guarded. I, I really got to check out this phenomenon of trade night. But getting back to 76 and 77 tops, am I going to bring a 76 or 77 top set to a trade night? No, because that's, that's, not, what what they're that's not what they're looking for. Even though it'd be a nice item, they didn't have factory sets. There. There's no factory sets those years. Then it's 74 with JC 74, 
And then 81 is your next. I don't know what I would bring, but it wouldn't be 76. 76. Hey, I've got some 76 and 77 tops baseball comics. It might be a superstar in a a nine or a 10 grade or something like that. You might bring that to a trade night and, you know, try to catch something. If you like, for example, maybe somebody has a Luca card you with. I know we, we try not to do old for new, but as good as Luca is. And as good as he played in the Olympics, that might be something. I will trade a 76 top set for some Luka cards. (laughs) I might do something like that. I can get another 76 top set. Rich, are the 76 and 77 top sets and those years in between your 20 or 30 year rule that they're not old enough to be really old, but they're not at the age where the prime collector is thinking that's the set of my childhood that I didn't get. I need to get that. That The fact those cards were so reasonably accessible. They got and really, so even the ones who came back to the hobby got them and got them checked. checked, checked and they're, they're not having to chase down, as I said, the variations, they're not having to chase down, you know, unless they're really intense condition people, they're not chasing down perfectly centered cards or they're, they're not looking for tens unless they're really intense. So I think they're just there where if you have a showcase with 76 tops at a show, you probably won't get much attention to them. When I look in the dollar boxes and you know that and you, you can see some 84 Donners in there and stuff like that. But I don't remember seeing 76 and 77 tops in there. They're not there. Uh, they're, but, they're would they really be a nine box? Most- Maybe. I don't know. But it, I just, who's looking for that? I don't think they are. Occasionally you see stuff like that, but not very often. It depends who's building the dollar box and maybe what collection they bought. Nowadays, anybody who buys cards from that era, they don't put them in the dollar box. They consider them vintage, so they try to sell them separately. I think they're in between with no series or scarcities and no big rookies. If you're buying a collection, it's mainly 76 tops. I don't think you're very excited. You're not very excited. And I grew up in New York. Way more excited about football. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Much more excited. Or even basketball, because those are the tall boys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Rich. It's uh, fun to discuss those sets. I don't think I collected them. I think I just bought the set, put it on the shelf. And uh, I've since gotten rid of those sets. People ask me, can I see your sets? Well, most of my sets I've gotten rid of. They took up a lot of room. And so I don't even have 76 and 77 sets anymore. That's a little bit sad, but I'm trying to have less cards. That's a casualty of that. Anyway, Rich Klein, thanks for uh, the walk down memory lane. Sets we personally remember. They're worthy. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Back again tomorrow with another episode.